Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's our returning listener mail segment. Uh, we have quite a few strange stories for you uh, concerning ghosts, concerning the world of dream, and concerning unsolved murder of uh, the ghost story maybe is a good place to start what do you all think because it relates to a previous episode of listener mail it does i'm all for it it also relates to this week's episode of strange news i'm on a ghost train this week everybody and you're on the ride with me guess what let's do this <laughs> we got a message a really great message from Dennis, Dennis, you wrote to us about our Rock of Gibraltar episode, and it's in, in reference to the story we talked about on a Strange News episode a little while back where we discussed the hidden spy room, essentially, a large enclosure where six men were supposed to stay in the case of the Rock of Gibraltar being taken over by the Axis Nazi forces. And 
you wrote to us with a personal experience, so we're just I'm going to read through it. It's pretty long. Uh, bear with me. It's a great story, and there is a ghostly tale amidst the words here. Here we go. Dennis, you said, hello, guys. I listened to your recent story about Gibraltar and its caves and tunnels, and it reminded me of my trip there. At the time, I was in the Navy on a submarine, and it was our last Liberty port at the end of a deployment to the Mediterranean and Persian Gulf. There are tunnels in the rock dating back hundreds of years, but as you said, the World War II tunnels were probably the largest. There are civilian tunnel tours, but as we are the military unit, we got a special tour with some of the local military units. That's very cool, Dennis. He says, The tunnels seem to be much longer than the Rock of Gibraltar itself, and there were pipes and cables running along one side. As we walked, you could hear the pipes settling with temperature changes. It would be just creaks and pops that started at one point, and it would make their way all the way down the length of the pipes, so you could hear the sounds coming towards you, passing you, and retreating away. Nothing really weird about it. I would say that would that would creep me out already a little bit, especially being in that enclosed tunnel the way it is. Dennis, by the way, sent us a great picture of a tunnel that looks like this, that has pipes running down one side. It's very long. It's darkened. There are a couple of lights in there, and uh, you really get a sense of what that must feel like. But it didn't freak uh, Dennis out at all. He was, he was totally fine with it. Let's continue. He says, about 20 guys from my boat went on the tour, and it was some typical stuff pointing out storage tunnels or command radio offices. About halfway through the tour, there was a branch off tunnel that went perpendicular to the main tunnel. The tour guide told us that we could take a break while he made a phone call. But if we went up the branched off tunnel on the right, there would be a ladder and we could climb and look into a natural cave discovered while digging in World War II. Sounds awesome. Maybe five or six guys went and looked at the cave while the rest took a rest. After I looked at the cave, I went a little further up the tunnel and looked around. After the prescribed time passed, we all gathered back at the main tunnel. Now, the tour guide asked if anyone went further up the tunnel from the ladder. And, you know, a couple of us raised our hands and said, yeah. The guide asked if we saw a bunch of flowers on the wall, and he said they'd likely be dried by now. Um, Dennis hadn't noticed them, but this is the story that the tour guide told them. He said about three months ago, they'd had a ceremony for an older woman to come and place those flowers on the wall. This woman was born in England during the war, and her father had shipped out before she was born, so she never saw her father because he was sent to Gibraltar and he was working digging the tunnels there into the rock when he died during a cave-in. So there was a, a young woman whose father left to, to go dig tunnels in Gibraltar. He died there. She never got to meet her father. Now, apparently, there were a few cave-ins that did occur, and they didn't know exactly where this person you know, was died, where the rock collapsed on him. So they chose this specific spot to memorialize this death. That's where they put the flowers, right? And that way she could come and remember, you know, or at least think about the father that she never met. Then she apparently went back to England after this ceremony. Now, according to Dennis's email, the tour guide says he was finishing up another similar tour a few weeks after this woman had gone home. Um, he locked up one end of the tunnel and he was walking back to the beginning of the tunnel where the tour begins, right? He's all alone in these massive tunnels. He's walking with the piping on his right side, and he said he heard noises the way you do, the way Dennis has described he heard, coming up from behind him, right? 
Just coming up, it's reaching closer and closer and closer. But as that sound reached where he was, instead of just continuing on down the pathway, it stopped. The sound stopped right behind him, and he felt someone or something pull on his right sleeve. You can imagine how unnerving that would be, right? So he stopped, looked behind him, he didn't see anything. And he just kind of turned around and kept walking. Further down, he had the same thing happen. Noises coming up from behind him, stopping, and then another sleeve tug. At this point, he's extremely weirded out and afraid, so he hurried to the gate, locked it, and he went to the officer's club. Uh, Essentially a restaurant and lounge, like a bar, right? Where you can go after work. So uh, his wife was tending to the bar. So he goes, he gets a beer, sits down, his kids are there. Uh, This must have been a day tour. The one that Dennis went on was a night tour, but this one must have been a day tour, he says. And, um, you know, they're hanging out, playing or something. He's feeling kind of frazzled. He's telling the story of what just occurred, right? And you notice a woman at the pool who is looking at him. He doesn't know who this woman is. um, And the tour guide doesn't recognize this person. Um, You know, a lot of times these clubs have officers visiting from out of town or from, you know, who are stationed somewhere else. Maybe their families are in town. There's a lot of times strangers in an officer's club like that. Um, But, you know, he's, he's noticing that she's staring at him when she notices him staring back. She walks over and begins talking to our tour guide here. So this woman excuses her intrusions. She says she doesn't normally do this, but She's sensitive to things, and there was a man standing with her that could tell she could see him when others couldn't. She said that the man is really sorry he missed his daughter, and is there any way they could bring her back so he could see her? He says he was frozen there in shock. Uh, They they did what they could do to raise more money to get her back. This woman who, you know, lost her father before she ever met him and then laid the flowers But as of the time that at least uh, Dennis was there visiting at the Rock of Gibraltar, they hadn't raised enough money. And Dennis finishes it after that story with Gibraltar was probably the best port he got to visit during his active duty. And uh, he's really glad he had a ghost story to share about it. So, um, you know, just really interesting. I I wanted to read that because that kind of thing, that kind of interaction where someone appears to be able to see someone or talk with or interact with someone who has already passed has always fascinated me. I think fascinates everybody here. You too, probably the concept in this, um, of it occurring in this place where you'd imagine it could be haunted, right? Just with the amount of past that that place has seen, the number of people who've gone through it, um, where humans have been lost in collapses, where there's been a lot of digging and blasting of rocks and stone. Um, I imagine that would be the kind of place, if it was possible, if the physics worked out, um, that a resonance could occur, where a life, a a living person, whatever it is that makes us human and intelligent, the thing that we don't currently fully understand right now, whatever that is, I can imagine it staying in that stone somehow. Sure. Or, or like uh, my earlier point from the dream series, uh, maybe this person's quantum uh maybe their microtubules are are very sensitive to events happening in a symmetry of time uh mm. we know this idea about some sort of intangible impression being left 
of, of physical memory somehow imprinted. It's usually portrayed as something that happens at times of great unrest. I mean, sorry, before I go off, I'm a dog with a ball in this stuff. Dennis, thank you uh, for your, I mean, what a journey. What a, uh, we got a frame story. We got an epilogue. We've got the whole nine. Um, a couple of quick things before we dive in. Just for anybody who is wondering, a Liberty port is like shore leave. You you don't have to stay on the boat. You can get out and have fun. You mm. know what I mean? I think, didn't he say Liberty Port there, Matt? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So that's like, that was his last chance to party. And one thing about this, this story you're telling, uh, I do agree with you, Matt. There is this commonality of, of experience, right? Not Maybe not super frequent. Not everybody listening knows someone who claims to see these figures of people who have passed or these apparitions. Uh, but it's an idea that is familiar to all of us in the world. And it gets really interesting when we go into cultures where death is sort of acknowledged as like death is just kind of like moving to a different part of a city called the universe. Right. Uh, in those cultures, it is much less stigmatized to say, I have seen this ghost and Gibraltar itself to your earlier point about ghost tours. Uh, I, I was surprised by how, just how riddled Gibraltar is with uh, purported ghost and ghostly activities. Uh, it's all, it, it's a wash in them. And uh, I think it makes sense whether or not you believe in ghosts. It makes sense that those stories would exist because this thing has been a geopolitical Flashpoint, the subject of so much blood and treasure over the centuries, uh, it, it would almost be abnormal for those, it would almost be unusual for those tunnels not to have a ghost story. I'm being very careful, by the way, to say ghost story. But I wonder, Dennis, you say you've got a, a great ghost story from the tour guide, but I, maybe I missed this, Matt, I didn't see anything in our letter from Dennis where you, Dennis, say whether or not you believe the story. There you go. There's the rub. Hmm. Well, no, we didn't. We we did get a very vivid picture of what the tour guide experienced that was also experienced by Dennis with the pipes and the sounds moving past him. So he's maybe giving us a way to explain what's occurring, right? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. But the thing that it's harder to explain is how somebody there knew about this whole situation with the, the woman who placed the flowers in this part where people generally don't tour. Mm -hmm. Weird. Yeah. And there, there are any number of ways that people might attempt to explain that. You know, we've got, I always see, I, I always see the idea of skepticism and credulity. Let's say I always see those as part of a, a spectrum, right? We're more skeptical about some things. We're more critical about other things. Uh, so, in especially when it comes to ghosts, a tremendously controversial topic, we're going to have a lot of people out of uh, who will immediately say, "Well, this person is somehow a scam artist, right?" But it doesn't that that doesn't hold up because it doesn't sound like she was scamming him. You know, she just wanted to convey information, which I think is is a very different thing. Uh, and then there are people who will say, you know. I have witnessed behavior like this in the past. There are, there are possibilities. There are thought experiments we could do about 
how this could happen, how maybe she knew this information. We know there are flimflam artists who do that, but the problem with that flimflam explanation, at least in this story, is that the con artists are motivated by personal profit. And there's not a profit motive here, is there? Well, Unless I'm missing something. Well, they were attempting to raise money to bring the woman back down, the one who uh, laid the flowers for her never-met father. So, Ooh. you know, if you could find a way to make a GoFundMe and then skim some off the top or take the money instead of giving it to the other person, then perhaps, but uh, there's no way to, to know that here. Or Ooh. this whole thing could be a way to drum up support for tours of uh, the Rock of Gibraltar. So I don't Dennis, know. Dennis I'm, is working for the big rock. No, no, I'm not saying Dennis. This is a story told to Dennis. Yeah, but why did he send it? Why did you send it, Dennis? With because just it's enough an, plausible deniability. <laughs> well, because it's a really interesting story. It caught my attention. Um, it probably did the same thing to Dennis. I'm just saying there, there are a wonderful number of possibilities we could explore here. But in the end, it's just a fun story, I mm. think. And it's the perfect time for those. I want to hear more spooky stories. Uh, please send us your ghost tales. Bonus points if you believe them to be uh, inarguably true. Uh, and you know what? Double. You, you, we're just we're throwing out bonus points here, like they're beads at Mardi Gras. Double bonus points if you may not think it's entirely true, but some specific details of it give you pause and maybe creep you out a little bit late at night. God, I love Halloween. It's just the best. Yeah, and it's almost there. Almost. We only got about two months. <laughs> I usually hate when people do this, but let me rip off myself uh, in, in a forthcoming uh short fiction piece I've been working on. It's always Halloween in America now. You know what I mean? The house is haunted. There's no better time uh, for ghost stories. Uh, let's just make sure we don't become ghost stories of our own. Wow, that was dark. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Thank you so much, Dennis. We're going to take a pause for a uh, quick word from our sponsor, and then we will return with more listener mail. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. She's a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, 
uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut. And I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with more listener mail. Uh, And today I actually have a piece of listener mail, not a voicemail, uh, but an email. Um, and if it's okay with you, fellas, uh, I'd like to read a bit about dreams. Oh, no, I'm dead. Dreams episode. Yeah. All right. This one comes from uh, Benedict and it starts off. Hey guys, longtime listener, first time emailer. Uh, first of all, I really love your show. The amount of brilliance and conspiracy thinking I hear from you guys always keeps my brain on uh, in tip top shape. Keep up the good work. Anyway, to get to the point, I just heard your episode regarding dreams and I thought uh, it'd be interesting to share my family's encounters regarding uh, dreams to your fellow listeners. Um, within our family, every time any one of us uh, of our kin has these losing teeth dreams that we talked about on the episode, someone close to us or a family member dies within a few days. 
I can personally attest to this as it has happened to me three times uh, already, and it always proved to be true. Two of my aunts um, and an uncle of mine uh, died of natural causes within a few weeks of me having these weird teeth-losing dreams. But of course, it could be nothing but a coincidence, but other relatives also experienced the same ominous teeth dreams. So I don't know uh, what what's going on. Um, our family comes from a religious background from Japan and Southeast Asia, so this precognitive ability could have come from that lineage. Our grandmother, when she was still alive, once told us to never tell anyone the next day that we had such dreams the night before and make sure to bite our actual teeth on a small living plant uh, the very next day. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If the plant dies within a few days, then the relative that's supposed to die is going to be saved. But if the plant flourishes and stays alive, then there's nothing we can do to save the ones that are destined to perish from this earth. Man, Uh, you better bite those plants hard. You got a hard bite. Uh, She said these dreams are an ominous premonition, a kind of dark gift of foresight given to our family that we are experiencing for many generations. Again, thanks for the wonderful show. You guys always keep me company whenever I'm stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic here in L.A., which is pretty notorious for its rush hour traffic jams. Uh, uh, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Not yep, Louisiana. Yep, yep. <laughs> Not Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, that's, that's a lot to unpack. Uh, you know, it, it, we really did talk a lot about the number of people in the world that have dreams every night. Um, and, it, you know, it's in the billions. Um, and within all of that, there's this sort of like numbers game of like, you know, uh, striking the lottery of, of uh, you know, predicting, quote unquote, a thing that, that is going to happen. Um, but adding that extra layer of this being a familial thing and it being the same type of dream kind of complicates that one a little bit. It's it's really interesting because I am uh, absolutely a spiritual person, and I think that there certainly is there are things that we can't understand um, fully or explain. And and I don't know this this feels like that. Maybe there is some sort of gift of foresight that could be passed down generationally. Who who, who are we to say? I don't know. What what do, what do you fellas think? Well, this is tremendously cool to me. Um, what, ben, what Benedict is saying is that somehow there's an ability that that is passed down as though uh, almost a bloodline of, of, I don't know, magic or being in tuned with, you know, the other side in a way. Um, really what a lot of what our whole two-part series was about in Predictive Dreams um, this would be one of those things that, you know, if true or if, if it could be proven in some way, maybe you could get closer to to showing that there is some kind of wider connected matrix of of time and existence that we keep alluding to on a lot of these episodes. Because hmm. if you if you're able to just by just by knowing you're having this dream, remember that you had that dream. And then convey that to, you know, your family in some way um, to let others know that something terrible is coming. Oh, that'd be incredible. The problem is it sounds really scattershot, right? If right. if one of these dreams occurs, you have no idea who it's going to be. It's going to be somebody you care about, I guess. That's the one yeah. thing you're, someone you'd be aware of. You don't there's know there's, the there's, time there's, length. You don't know the length of time. Just to finish that thought. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
And there was an implication kind of midway through the email that that there was an awareness of who it was going to be because the grandma said something to the effect of uh, if the plant dies within a few days, then the relative that is supposed to die is going to be saved. But if the plant flourishes and stays alive, then there's nothing we can do to save the ones that are destined to perish from this earth. So there's almost the implication that there is with this gift, the ability to save them. But this is coming from the, the grandmother, the older generation that's, that's been experiencing this uh, the whole time. Really? I don't know. No, man. That's it's, super it's more diagnostic, I think. Right. The idea and the no, tradition yeah, sure. abiding the plant just gives you further information, but maybe not further agency. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you all. I'm very hesitant to speak for all of us at once. But on my end, this is something I have close uh, familiarity with in my family. It's a common thing to the point where people will share a group text or something like that, where they they are convinced that they have received some sort of alert. Uh, And so I will, if I approach it from a skeptical thing, because I want to avoid my own confirmation bias here, then we'd have to say uh, pieces of information that can wiggle are first uh, clairvoyance versus precognition, both of which are still considered, you know, extrasensory phenomenon. Am I having a dream about, like in this case, Benedict, you're having a dream about something before it happens, right? So precognitive. There are other people who say they're having a dream or a vision while something is happening in real time. Like that's where we hear the stories about a twin suddenly knowing when their twin expires half a world away. Uh, Science still has yet to explain both of those phenomenon. Uh, Another thing would be, you know, that, that length of time, right? Like if I have a dream and I think this dream means someone will die, and I don't know what my, you know, how far out that is, then I could say that dream predicted an unfortunate death a year, uh, you know, a year later. So it's tricky. And this is not my personal opinion. That's just the, what the more skeptical approach would be. But I think a lot of us, um, a lot of us have family folklore like this. And maybe some of your friends don't talk about it as readily because, again, it's something that's stigmatized here in the West. But I I wouldn't be surprised if many of us have stories like this, maybe not as frequent as your family, Benedict, but uh, maybe not as frequent as my own family. But I think we all have some of those one-off things that can't be explained. As a matter of fact, I know a lot of us do because we received a ton of feedback about this. But That's right. We've all had, I mean, the three of us have had these inexplicable moments where Mm. we investigate this stuff and think critically about it for a living. And we have all been, I'm not going to volunteer you for this, codename Doc Holliday. I don't know if this happened to you, but I know that the three of us have all at one or more times thought of every possible mundane explanation for something that happens uh, in the sleeping world. And then eventually... All three of us at some point had to throw up our hands and say, well, something's weird. Something's happening, <laughs> you know? Well, I think that's, that's one of the fun parts about this show is, like, we don't always feel the need to have to debunk or prove or, uh, you know, poo-poo something. I mean, I think we all have different times where we believe the magic, you know, uh, and times where we are more willing to be completely skeptical about it. And, and I, I, for one, think the dream's 
could possibly be some kind of way of pulling information out of the collective unconscious or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I, I do believe that. Yeah, the super consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Ben, I propose we have a new segment on every episode, and it is something's weird. And that's <laughs> it. it comes after here's where it gets crazy. I'm just like, something's weird here. Something's weird. <laughs> this is this is literally our job, and the best we could do with dreams was to go, something, something's off. Uh, yeah, we have, um, it's true, though, you know, and I, I appreciate you picking this one to read, Noel, because we know that the science of dreams is still, it's still an ongoing investigation, right? Uh, and there are, there may well be things we learn about the neurocognitive processes that upend our entire understanding of dreams, which are already really weird to begin with. Um, and we have, you know, we have so many people who've written in with like all Everybody listening to this show, not to blow too much smoke at you, everybody listening to this show is pretty exceptional in terms of the way that we're thinking through things. So we've gotten emails, tweets, we've probably all gotten some personal messages on social media where people say, look, I'm not crazy, but since you asked. <laughs> also, off mic, we were making the point, I think uh, we had predicted we would get a lot of feedback for this because... In real life, it is very rare to find someone who will listen to you talk about your dreams. That's a reason, it's one of the reasons, uh, well, it's rare to find people who listen to you talk about yourself. So uh, that's why there's a whole industry of people paid just to do that. Um, and I think part of that really, I mean, you got to read the room and not always talk about yourself, but, but part of that really is that dreams are stigmatized. And, you know, interpreting a dream does not mean that you are in any way losing critical thinking skills. You know, think of dream interpretation as a psychological tool. Just like Damien Patrick Williams said, you know, uh, he still has, I don't know about you guys, my favorite definition of magic, weaponized psychology. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. whether or not you believe your mind is trying to tell you about the future, your mind is trying to tell you something. And it's a lot smarter than you without all the uh, limiters of the conscious mind turned on. Sorry. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did you know that's my favorite song? One that always appears in my dreams, even if I can't make out the melodies. I can just tell just by the energy that song creates. What is a Wonderwall, actually? Does he ever even talk about what that is? I don't know, that man. That sounds like some dreamlike uh, material there. And, you know, this is only one of many uh, emails that we got about uh, dreams, about precognitive dreams, just about dreams and their meaning and how, you know, Ben, you, you made a really good point that this was going to get a lot of response because it's uh, it's fun to tell people about your dreams and you don't often get solicited to do that. <laughs> so it's a great opportunity. Um, and it, it's really a, a helpful way to find out a lot about what listeners are, are thinking. I mean, their, their innermost thoughts is what, what a dream feels like to me. So huge thanks to Benedict. Uh, Kevin, Mark, Skyler, Andy, uh, Annalisha. Uh, let's see, we've got Richard, um, Krista, uh, Stephanie, and Mike. Um, I wish we had no more. Jamie, Claire, Don't Sarah, and Sarah. Yeah, yeah. and, and um, uh, who else we got? That's, specific I think that's shout about, out. Specific hmm? shout out to Stephanie. Sorry mm -hmm. to, to interrupt, but she told us a story about like predicting essentially saving herself from a potential abductor 
It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was a good one. Yeah, I like that. That's interesting too because it's sort of this idea of of dreams being in some way, uh, you know, a course correcting, you know, implement that your body has, almost like a precognitive safeguard, you know, to protect you against negativity or bad things happen. Oh gosh, I sound like a hippie talking about negativity, <laughs> but I think you see what I'm trying to say, fellas. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed reading all of those, and um, I think we'll take a quick sponsor break and then come back with another listener mail. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. She's a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. I'm calling this a composite listener mail uh, through various social media messages, posts, and more, especially on the Here's Where It Gets Crazy Facebook page. I've been reading people's responses to our deep cut suicides or deep cut murders episode. If you guys remember that, and that's over in the United Kingdom. We had a lot of people writing in, would especially like to thank people like Wedge, Gabriel, and Joe, who wrote to us about this episode. Uh, let's, let's go with Joe. Joe, you said hi, longtime listener, first time caller here. Referring to your episode on the deep cut suicides, I was in the UK Armed Forces from 2009 to 2016, and everyone mostly referred to deep cut as cutthroat, which is self-explanatory, says Joe, why it would be called that. It was well known that it had a cloud looming over that camp. And if you think that is interesting, wait till you hear about this. The Brigand or Brigand suicide incidents. These were a set of suicides involving young people in Brigand County or Bridgend County Borough in South Wales. The reporters speculated that a suicide cult was to blame. As of December 2008, there had been 26 known suicides in or around the county since January 2007, although police had no evidence to link the cases together. Of the 26 people who killed themselves, says Joe, between 2007, January, and 2009, February, all but one had died from hanging. And he notes there is a film that was loosely about these hangings. And he says, and Joe, you say, I hope you find this of interest and possibly could feature as an episode on the podcast. I'll attach some links in this email should you wish to dive into this topic more. Stay woke, fellow conspiracy realist. That last line, folks, is meant for you. <laughs> uh, and, and this story that you have told us, Joe, is both disturbing and true. This is a very small town in Wales. And just in case anybody's wondering, yes, that is an unusual amount of suicides for that region over that period of time. It is an unprecedented amount. It is an un extraordinary amount. Uh, the the people who have died, other than the commonality of where they live and the method of suicide they chose, uh, they're a pretty disparate group. You know, uh, they could range in age from 13 to 41. 
even though most of the victims were young adults. In fact, in 2010, law enforcement asked the local media to stop covering the suicides because they were thinking with this many people dying, again, 79 people by 2012, uh, with this many people dying, they were worried that copycat suicides were at least part of the cause. For comparison, the, the largest town in this borough is called Bridgend itself, Bridgend. Its population is 39,773. Uh, the average rate of suicide, a very grisly statistic throughout Wales and England, is around 11.1 per 1,000 people. So either way you slice the pie, the number is extraordinarily high. Uh, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, the idea of a suicide cult in real life. We know it's in fiction. Um, we know there are suicide packs. Could something like that have happened here? Well, I mean, we have real life suicide cults, right? Like Heaven's Gate and Jonestown and all that. Like, uh, isn't that, are, are we differentiating in some way between those and, and this? This doesn't appear unless we find more find out more right now it doesn't appear to be uh an act of a religious organization interesting i mean i could see it being more like a pact like you said like a, out of you know some kind of sh bizarre heavy-handed protest or something but then wouldn't you want people to know why and leave behind some kind of thing that would condemn the people that you were trying to you know lash out against with this very self-defeating kind of act, a action? I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's interesting to think about. Yeah. I, part of it is responsibility of the media, perhaps, because the British media seem to be some of the initial sourcing for reports of a possible suicide cult. And some, uh, some outlets later went back and recanted on that. Uh, but there is, gosh, I guess we have two in one episode, Matt, there is a uh, throw up your hands and say, this is weird moment here because that that rate of suicide is far above what it would be uh, if all other things are equal. And this bridge end suicide situation is separate from the the deep cut. I mean, it's just just there's just a, they're comparing them in some way. Yes. in that they are both a series of deaths or a cluster of. Of fatalities. Joe, I don't think you're saying that these events are linked, but I think you are saying that these are clusters of fatality that still have official explanations that don't satisfy yeah. everybody, right? No, I, I, I get it. And younger, younger people who are dying where there might be something more to the picture going on than any newspaper or authority understands. I think that's the connection that's being made. I don't know about you all, but I can feel my foot at the precipice of the rabbit hole here. There's a, there's a lot to read. Uh, there's a lot to dig into. So I would like to dive into this and return uh, with more information in the future. Joe, thank you for writing to us about this. And for anyone else familiar with this case, uh, please give us your information and, and please give us your perspective on these, well, I should say cases. Uh, the last thing related to Deep Cut that I, we have to have a mention of here today. So I want to thank the multiple people who've written to us on social media, uh, here's where it gets crazy, and uh, via email. In response to the deep cut deaths, the fatalities, right, 
the families believe that these are homicides, and the government's official explanation is that they are suicides. Uh, Many of your fellow listeners wrote in to tell us about the ongoing strangeness and tragedies occurring at Fort Hood, Texas. For some of us, that is best known as the compound where Army psychiatrist Major Nadal Hassan killed 13 people, injured 32 others in a mass shooting in 2009. But it appears there have been multiple murders in much more recently in Fort Hood. In fact, uh, just a few days ago over the weekend as we record this, a suspect was arrested in Mississippi for killing a, a Fort Hood soldier as well as two other people. But that's that's almost like a, a tangent to the story because as, as soon as you start digging into this, you see multiple reports of people who have died under mysterious circumstances in Fort Hood, Texas. And I feel like this is uh, like SPC, Vanessa Guyen, PVT, Mejo Morta, Francisco Gilberto Hernandez Vargas. The, like there are multiple people, Cole Jacob Aiton. This, this has not been as much, this has not been featured as heavily in the news as you would think it, it would be, given that these people are dying in Fort Hood, you know? Yeah, the the one that I've been reading about mostly is the that person that was just discovered in Mississippi who, you know, allegedly killed two people. I don't know. It feels very weird. It feels weird that I recognize the name Fort Hood and I'm in Atlanta and it's been in the national news enough times in the past decade, roughly, due Ooh. to strangeness that's been going on there or shootings or attacks or deaths. Um, it feels like it's worth our time to do some some pretty serious digging. Yeah, agreed. There have been 23 deaths this year among the 36,500 soldiers at Fort Hood, and that's according to Fort Hood officials themselves. But the more we're diving into some specifics behind several of these deaths, we're seeing some strange things. Uh Without without saying more until we do the due diligence of research, this sounds like an episode all its own. So please write in and let us know if you have more information about this or if you have firsthand information. We try to make it very easy to contact us in a way that protects your anonymity to the best of our ability. And we'll never use your name on air if you do not want us to. Uh, with that being said... Again, thank you very much, Joe, for hipping us to this incredibly important story that was news to all of us. Thank you as well to Stephanie, Benedict, Andrew, Andy, Analysia, Sarah, Jamie, Claire, Skylar, Kevin, and Richard for telling us more about the strange world of dreams. And thank you to Dennis, who gave us, uh, I think, maybe our season's first ghost story on air today of hopefully many more to come. Definitely. If you want to be like all of those people we just mentioned, reach out to us however you wish. Find us on social media where we are Conspiracy Stuff or Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. Uh, you can message us, write to us however you want through those channels. You can find us on Here's Where It Gets Crazy, our Facebook group. Uh, check it out. Join up. Just mention one of our names or 
uh, <laughs> I'm a, or Doc Holiday, or whoever you want to name Mission Control. Just put it, put something little in there. Code name Doc Holiday. Yeah, Mission Control. Uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. You can get in. You can talk to other conspiracy realists who are listening and thinking about the same things maybe you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. It just make us laugh. You know what I mean? Uh, or the things that always get me is when we get trolled a little and it's clear that someone listened to the show. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was one person who just said, ha ha ha. Because that's my new favorite laugh. Was that the is that the the truck driver? Mm-hmm. Or someone the, who heard it? So yeah, no, exactly. That, that's his catchphrase. I was just making sure I was catching the right ref. Um, also, really love tracking all of the hilarious uh, and incorrect spellings of, uh, of of various names. Decant is always a fun one, and uh, and I get everything from N O L L to K N O L L to N O L E N O L U L. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And oh man, you should see how people spell Matt. It's Awful. It's, it's wild. Okay. You know, some of those letters are Cyrillic. I wanted yeah. to tell you that. Plus all this, they call him blah, blah, blah. Guys, <laughs> nothing crunchy, right? Uh, but if you if you don't care for social meads, if there is another technological ale that is uh, more, there's more in your badger bag, uh, <laughs> then just call us directly. We have a phone number. We made it just for you. Please use it or our uh, corporate overlords will get incredibly cross with us. The number is one eight three three stdwytk Just use this uh, like this person who is a robocaller, apparently. Uh, it will go directly to us. We will hear whatever you want to say. And we're excited to hear from you. So, uh, again, one eight three three stdwytk In the morning. I'm kidding. It's not a radio show yet. And hey, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, but you still want to reach out in a little more of an antiquated way, uh, you can just send us a good old-fashioned email where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.